Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome, welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Monday. Hope you had an awesome weekend. I did. We have a great show planned for you today. Steve Kim, Maj Ture will be here uh, today to talk. Maj Ture booted off of Twitter. We'll get into that with Maj. Give me about 30, 40 minutes. Uh, Steve Kim's going to help me talk some sports, and we're going to start with my fire starter on Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders is ashamed of the 31 NFL teams that did not draft a player from a historically black college or university. The all-time great football player expressed his contempt via social media, tweeting, So proud of you, Isaiah Bolden. You deserve to be drafted much higher, but I'm truly proud of you. I know how much you want this. I'm ashamed of the 31 other NFL teams that couldn't find draft value in all, A-L-L, capitalized, of the talented HBCU players, and we had three more draft-worthy players at JSU. Mm. So that's Deion Sanders whining about Isaiah Bolden on probably one of the happiest days of Isaiah Bolden's life. He gets drafted into the NFL. The guy rode the bench at Florida State, came to Jackson State, started 11 games, uh, and gets drafted in the National Football League. Guy has a very brief resume in the college, but managed to get drafted. He's long, he's six foot three, runs fast. He got drafted, but he's got a limited resume. He's got 11 starts in the HBCU. Road to bench at Florida State before that. It's a great day for him. But Dion, of course, is there to make him a victim, and he should have gotten drafted higher. Uh, the New England Patriots selected Isaiah Bolden, a cornerback, in the seventh round of this weekend's draft. He was the lone player pick from an HBCU. Sanders coached at Jackson State for two years before bolting to Colorado this offseason. In recent years, corporate sports media has run with the narrative that NFL teams are unfairly avoiding selecting HBCU players, insinuating that racial bias is at the root of franchises choosing players from predominantly white schools. Hmm. Let's think about that for a moment. Doesn't that raise a question in your mind? Mm, an obvious question, perhaps. What's at the root of Sanders? Choosing a white university over Jackson State. Hmm, let's marinate on that. Is Deion Sanders racist? Is he ashamed of himself? I need a little thought bubble popping out of my head right now. I'm trying to figure out, is Deion racist? Is he ashamed of himself? He went from Jackson State to a white university. Hmm, imagine that. I'm ashamed of the unapologetic shallowness and cowardice of jocks, ex-jocks, and jock sniffers. 
American sports had long been a safe space for masculinity. Now, they're a haven for victimhood and illogical whining. Real men in sports now live in the closet. Afraid of the social media and financial backlash for speaking the truth, men avoid spewing common sense the way my father's generation evaded wannabe women holstering a bat and balls. Can American men's sports remain popular when the participants are this dislikable? This devoid of morality, courage, and honesty. This filled with feminine energy and racial idolatry. Hey, Dion, and everybody else out there, the first 10 picks of the draft were black players. Three of the first four picks were black quarterbacks. An hour into the draft, my mother, who watches all sports, she's a bigger sports fan than I am, she texted me. These are her exact words. It has been a black show so far. That's all she texted me. She wasn't just referring to the first 10 selections. The draft looked like the BET Image Awards. Loud, flamboyant suits, gaudy jewelry layered around necks, wrists, and ears. Baby mamas celebrating their male lottery tickets cashing in. Overweight women in ill-fitting dresses. Enough hair weave to draw the ire of PETA. The NFL draft might as well have been the Met Gala or a Paris fashion show. It's been stripped of all masculinity and authenticity. Next year, Mel Kuyper will be asked to wear a, his hair in a bun. I turned it off after an hour. Over the weekend, I checked Twitter every couple of hours to find out who the Chiefs picked and to see if anyone drafted Warren Central High School product, Julius Brents, and Ball State corner Nick Jones. To my pleasant surprise, my hometown Colts nabbed Brents in round two, and my favorite team, the Chiefs, took Jones in the seventh round. I used to absolutely love the NFL draft. Now I can't stomach watching it. It's just another event in the racial victimhood Olympics. Deion Sanders took the gold medal this year. The super wealthy black man who abandoned HBCUs after two years can't understand why the NFL shops for talent outside the Chitlin circuit. Really? The NFL used to routinely draft players from black colleges before all the best black players started attending white schools. In 1968, according to Wikipedia, the NFL selected 11 players from Jackson State. In 1975, five Tigers were selected, including running back Walter Payton, yes, that Walter Payton, sweetness, and linebacker Robert Brazil. Peyton and Brazil both are in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Here's another little oddity. Peyton's running back mate, I think his last name was Young, Ricky Young I think was his name. He got drafted two and played nine years in the NFL. This is all off the same 1975 team. So let me put another thought bubble into the air. Let me ask Deion Sanders, and all the other racial idolaters. Is the 2023 NFL more racist than the 1975 NFL?
Take a moment. T- take a moment and think about that. Is the 2023 NFL draft more racist than the 1975? Have we actually gone backwards? All the highest paid players in the NFL are virtually all black. All the top paid quarterbacks, all black. First 10 picks in this year's draft, all black. But oh my God, only one player from an HBCU got drafted. That's racism. They've been singing this song for about the last five years. I mean, again, when there is no racism to really address, these guys go make it up. And so now, oh, it's not just black players they want drafted. Now it's like, well, what school are they getting drafted from? What neighborhood are they coming from? What cell phone carrier do they use? Is that a black cell phone carrier? Then it's, oh, well, the next complaint will be, well, and this will, this will probably happen. Uh, none of the black players drafted are dating black women. The NFL must address that. How, how come that is? I can't wait for that to be a story. The best black players by choice go to Alabama, Michigan, Georgia, LSU, etc. They go to predominantly white universities. Let me stress this again, by choice. That's an us decision. We used to go to HBCUs, but because the white man's ice is always colder, we now go to predominantly white universities by choice. It's the exact same thing Deion Sanders does and did. As a player, Deion chose Florida State. As a coach, he chose Colorado. Dion wants 31 NFL teams to make a choice and or a sacrifice he was unwilling to make. That's a cowardly mindset. It's the mindset of the modern elite athlete or coach. They avoid sacrifice and criticism by any means necessary. Not one NFL owner, executive, scout, or coach will call out Sanders' hypocritical nonsense. They're afraid. They know the race-baiting pundits at ESPN and Fox Sports would chastise them. Men lack balls and conviction. Excluding anti-vaxxer Kyrie Irving, there are virtually no modern versions of Jackie Robinson and Muhammad Ali. Robinson sacrificed so that the next generation of black athletes could benefit Ali sacrificed three years of his boxing prime because of his anti-war beliefs. You know what modern athletes do? At all costs, they protect their brands above everything. On topics they know little about, they regurgitate talking points handed to them by their brand managers. They remain silent on the relevant and controversial issues impacting the sports world. Let me give you one example. Dion said, oh, the NFL draft, they didn't take HBCU players. I'm ashamed. The NFL took a gang of black dudes, made a gang of baby mamas happy and daddies happy. Made a bunch of kids, black kids happy. That's what the NFL did. And that's what they've been doing for years, for decades. 
We don't need Dion's opinion on that. We don't need any of these athletes' opinion on that. How about offering an opinion about WNBA martyr, Brittany Griner, she wants biological men to compete against women. Deion Sanders is a former elite athlete. He's now a head coach at a Power Five university. He's an expert on male athletes. He should have an opinion about whether men should be competing against women. Go check his Twitter feed to see if he's ashamed of Brittany Griner, the WNBA, and all the other people groveling and begging for the WNBA and women's sports to be overrun by men pretending to be women. Women with bats and balls that want to play against real women. Is Dion ashamed of that? Is he willing to put his name out there and take on real risk? and piss off sponsors, piss off the Biden administration, piss off all the leftists, piss off anybody with a common sense stance of like, Brittany Griner is nuts. And anybody that supports this is nuts. Won't say that. I've just moved to a place where the stupidity of athletes drives me crazy. I'm ashamed of them. I'm ashamed I used to be one of them. I I, I say that in all seriousness. These guys have daughters. They've played sports at a high level. They should have an opinion on this. They should be the men drawing a line in the sand and saying, no, no dice. This is crazy. But they say nothing. Let's I want to play this clip of Bill Roden, William C. Roden. The C stands for cuck. I want to play this clip of, of him asking Brittany Griner about men playing women's sports. Play the clip. Good morning, uh, Brittany. I'm uh, Bill Roden from ESPN Anscape, and it's really great to see you. It's good to know the prayers have been answered. Uh, I have a question. Um, you've always represented so much throughout your entire career about access and, you know, being able to do stuff. And I hate to put one more thing on your plate, but there, there are a number of states who are aggressively moving to prevent transgender athletes playing. And I was wondering, again, I hate to put one more thing on your plate, but in terms of your on your radar, where is that? Um, you're going to have a tremendous platform, but where is that going to be on your radar in terms of Can we pit pause for, before she, um, before she you know, athletes, all athletes, pause. transgender athletes, be able to play? Okay, let, let's hit pause right now. I, I, I just, I've known Bill Roden throughout my entire journalistic career. At one point, I looked up to Bill Roden. I, I really did. I had a tremendous amount of respect. When I ran The Undefeated, I commissioned an article celebrating Bill Roden's career at the New York Times and just as a pioneer as a black journalist. Bill Roden was never the most talented columnist in the world, but he played an important role. He was a pioneer. He was a role model. He pretended as if he were interested in uh, promoting opportunity for other Uh, minority sports writers. He pretended as if 
he had some level of masculinity and sanity. Did you just listen to this man grovel at the feet of this woman whose contribution to society is playing basketball? Now, if he were groveling at Michael Jordan's feet, I would be critical. I mean, at least Michael played at a high level. This man is groveling. This woman broke the law in Russia, made this country cough up the merchant of death, an arms dealer that they called the merchant of death. We had to trade the merchant of death for a basketball player. We had to spring a terrorist from prison to recover a basketball player because she's that irresponsible and stupid. And Bill Roden, a 73-year-old grown man, standing, talking in front of a 31, 32-year-old irresponsible woman. Brittany, I, I, I hate to put one, one more thing on your plate, baby girl, but oh God, thank you for, oh, I just praise God for bringing you home, Brittany. Oh God, you're just so important. I hate to put something else on your plate, but would you mind if I came over and scissored with you and your wife? Oh, I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean scissor. I mean, uh, you know, should men with bats and balls play women's sports? I hate to put that on your plate, but and I know you don't like bats and balls. You like scissoring. But should they be allowed to play with you guys and shower with you guys? Maybe you'll see a bat and ball and you'll fall back in love with one, Brittany. 73. This is a fully grown man groveling at the feet of a six foot eight, irresponsible, weed smoking jock. I don't dislike Brittany, but she don't represent nothing important. And all this fake, uh, let's bring home Paul Whalen and our prisoners abroad. No one cares what Brittany Griner has to say. It's all a gimmick. She's been platformed and they're trying to make her into an idol to promote the LGBTQIA plus silent P agenda. And Bill Roden is groveling at her feet. This woman's promoting transgenderism, the mutilation of kids, the gender dysphoria of young adults, Come talk about it's a crime that, you know, that people are made uncomfortable anywhere or people aren't made to feel welcome anywhere. It's a crime. This is crazy. This is nonsense. And Bill Roden's co-signing it. When I say I'm embarrassed and I'm ashamed, what has become of us? Do we not stand for anything? I mean, seriously, anything? We, 
We, and I'm talking about black men in particular, I'm sorry I got to do it and call it out, but I'm just, what's our line in the sand? What do we stand for? It's only, what gets us mad and what we stand, if a criminal resists arrest and puts a cop in a position where he has no choice but to get super aggressive with him, that's our line in the sand, standing up for career criminals that resist arrest. Nothing else. Everything else, transgenders, we don't, we're not protecting women, girls, our daughters, children. If they want to put drag queens in school, that's not our line in the sand. I mean, what do we stand for? I'm talking about as athletes, as men as allegedly masculine men. Some dude gets drafted in the NFL by the New England Patriots, one of the greatest franchises in the history, and he's a victim. Should have been drafted earlier. He's the only one that got drafted from an HBCU. That's a crime, that's wrong, I'm ashamed of the NFL. But I'm sure gonna take this check from this white university and get the hell up out of Jackson State as soon as I can. This is madness. This is insanity. And anybody, people can get mad at me. Oh, you critical of black athletes and blah, blah, blah. You're damn right I am. We don't stand for nothing. We co-sign any and everything the left tells us to. Anything any of these power-hungry, feminist-gone-mad black women tell us to do, they say jump, we say how high. Brittany Griner wouldn't spit on Bill Roden. But here he is groveling at her feet. I don't want to put one more thing on your plate, Brittany. You got so much on your plate. Such an important basketball player. Oh, Brittany, please tell me, what should we do with these men who think they're women? Shouldn't they just be allowed to play? I... I, I I, I, I look at a lot of this stuff and I just, I just, I, 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 I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't. What's the matter with us? Please, I, I want you in the chat right now or on Apple, wherever you, could you give me an explanation? My, my explanation is we've been so divorced from God that we've lost our minds and, and we've lost common sense and sanity. And it's all about how can I stay on the teat of the government and the charity of some liberal white man? We don't, we, we don't want to depend on God and we don't want to depend on ourselves. And so if the Democrat Party tells us or the because I don't even like I, I don't even want to lump like Republicans in like they're on the right side of this. Because I, I've, I've been making the argument, trying to explain to y'all, they're not on the right side of it. They're going to bend over to the alphabet mafia, too. They're already in the process of it. They'll bend over for anything to maintain power.
All men should be out in the streets. All men should be raising their voices loudly. We're not doing this transgender thing. These people need mental help. We don't need to normalize their dysphoria. We need to help them out of it. And it's not by cutting off their batten balls and breasts. And it's not by running around and pretending like uh, Brittany Griner is Medgar Evers or Martin Luther King or Muhammad Ali or Jackie Robinson. She's a big dumb jock who got locked up in Russia because she tried to smuggle a little weed or hash into a foreign country. That's what dummies do. Not a victim, she's a dummy. And she cost America the merchant of death. <laughs> a terrorist arms dealer for a basketball player. And Bill Roden's dropping to her knees, kissing her rear end like he's talking to Rosa Parks or Harriet Tubman or somebody that made a real sacrifice. We've gone crazy. That's my fire starter. So I, I, I'm... I'm on one. I'm gonna be on one all week because uh, I'm I'm just a little. The, the, what has me on edge and just I saw something from Tucker Carlson this weekend where he talked about Building Seven and the collapse of Building Seven back in 2001. It was an old clip. <laughs> just a, hey, how come we can't ask questions about this? It didn't get hit by a plane, it just collapsed. It looked like a controlled, can we not ask questions? And, and, and he's just pointing out like, we spend so much time arguing over dumb stuff. And that, this is where I'm saying about these athletes, they're paid to make us talk about dumb stuff so that we never ask an important question. We're sitting around, oh, is the NFL racist? They didn't draft anybody from an HBCU. Well, hold on. What, what? John Kennedy got shot in broad daylight. Zapruder caught it on tape. Their explanation of how a president got assassinated in broad daylight doesn't make sense. But let's all pretend like everything's normal. Buildings fell in New York in 2001. No real legitimate explanation. But let's all just pretend like it's all normal. Let's just move on. They will. T Why shouldn't they lie to us? We'll believe anything. Hey, there's a six foot three guy with an eight inch slong and two balls underneath it, but he feels like a woman. And we go for it. There's not a lie they can tell us that we will not swallow. It's embarrassing.
Not the greatest segue, but we, we gotta do it. I gotta take care of some business. I wanna tell you some good news. You wanna get a comfortable night's sleep? You wanna sleep the way I've been sleeping? Cool, calm, and collected? Get you some cozier. Going to bed at a decent hour didn't always mean I got enough sleep. Oftentimes, I was either too hot or too cold or just not comfortable. That changed when I started sleeping on cozy earth bedding. As I've told you guys before, I have two different bedrooms that I sleep in. Uh, the master bedroom, the guest bedroom. The guest bedroom has cozy earth sheets. The other bedroom doesn't. Guess which bedroom I sleep in most often? The guest bedroom because I get a better night's sleep on cozy earth. It keeps me cool. The bedding is naturally temperature controlled. It's better than anything you've ever slept on. They have thousands of five-star reviews, and with good reason, cozy earth is bedding made from the finest materials, including premium viscose made from highly sustainable bamboo. Cozy earth is so confident you will love their products. They offer a 100 nights sleep trial, which means you have up to 100 nights to sleep on it, wash it, and try it out. If you're not completely in love, just send it back for a full refund, whether it's their luxury sheets, available in five awesome colors, loungewear, pajamas, or premium waffle bath towels. You'll love shopping at CozyEarth.com. My audience can save up to 35% on Cozy Earth now. Go to CozyEarth.com and enter my promo code FEARLESS to save up to 35%. That's CozyEarth.com, promo code FEARLESS. All right, Steve Kim, next. We want to go to heaven with freedom. It's my obligation to hate discrimination, raising up your hands for freedom. All right, welcome back. Let's roll out to Los Angeles, bring in the Korean Cosell, Steve Kim. Am I being too hard on Deion Sanders here? I, 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 just, I just don't like him blaming the NFL for doing the exact same thing that Deion Sanders did. He bolted for a predominantly white university. That's where all the best black talent goes. Why is he acting shocked? Yeah, I mean, look, the NFL, if they don't like that furniture, over there at the HBCUs, they're, they're going to go to more high-end <laughs> shops, okay? They're not just going to Ikea, and that, that's the bottom line. You know, a lot of people are now, uh, maybe not the people that you want, but a lot of the online chatter, people are now seeing the hypocrisy of Prime, that you are not the change that you espouse, and in fact, you're part of the problem. I mean, given the fact that when he left Jackson State to go to a PWI, he actually took some of his best players, players like Travis Hunter, who will be drafted. So the hypocrisy is astounding, and I'm surprised that nobody just raises their hand and say, Dion, here's the problem. You're doing some great things. You affected many lives. You impacted a university for a couple of years. But do you not see the problem that when you left and you took players that you are now actually – making that problem worse because now the perception is, you know what, even a 1-10 in 10 Pac-12 team is better than the most elite HBCU job. Look at the perception that you are now not only turning into a stereotype, you yourself are making it into a reality. And, and Dion should know better. These teams would literally draft Charles Manson if they could run a 
or if they could bench press 500 pounds and play football. I think he's being incredibly naive, but worse than that, he's just being a complete virtue signaler, if that's even a word. It, it, it is, but I think he's being intentionally dishonest. It's a different form of Colin Kaepernick disease. Yeah. Or, or, or the players that I, I love to say, uh, love the fruit, hate the tree. And so, <laughs> black guy, married to a white woman, dating a white yeah. woman, he goes overboard trying to prove how black he is. Black guy who divorced Jackson State to go coach at a one in 10 power five uh, white university. Now let me overcompensate to prove that I'm still down by saying totally dishonest things about the NFL. In other words, he is the college football version of RG3. I mean, let's just be honest about it. And, and this, this brings credence when that one coach that got into a scuffle with Dion, who just was not having it, I believe it was Eddie Robinson. And Eddie Robinson said after the game, that guy's not swack. I'm swack. And I don't think people understood the context of what that meant. That meant that through good or bad, I will turn down other opportunities because my roots are here because this is a calling for these young men. I'm swack. And this is his way of saying, hey, I'm still with you guys. I, I got these multi-million dollar facilities. My spring game is sold out. We got a lot of people. I'm bringing back. I'm bringing 75 new pieces of Louie, maybe even from HBCUs if they're good enough. But I'm. But you're not. <laughs> you're not. And that's 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 the big problem. It's like that guy who comes from the inner city and then lives in a gated community, and all his business investments are with tech and Hollywood. But then we'll lament when Walmart leaves Chicago or an inner city and say they're not supporting us. There's no investment into our people. And I'm thinking to myself, looking at your portfolio, yeah, very suburban here. Very a lot of Starbucks out there. <laughs> you know, with the glacier gliders and the crouching tigers, you're not putting up a supermarket where you grew up. It's the same dynamic, Jason. Tell me this, Steve. I think. And, and what I was insinuating, but not ready to say yet, but I, I'm going to talk it out with you. I think we're going to reach a point where the bubble bursts, where the athletes are so unlikable that, because it's hard for me. I still like to watch sports, but I do not like the athletes. There, there's, mm. I, it's hard for me to name any of the current athletes that I really like and root for and I'm just wondering, how long is that sustainable for people to hate watch sports or just have this love-hate relationship with sports? I, it's hard for me to name. I, I'm an athlete that, that I tr – Kyrie Irving is about the extent of my list, and he's quirky and, and, and weird. <laughs> you know, I, I halfway like Aaron Rodgers now, but, but the rest of them seem so phony – that, that I, I don't know. You know, I think me and you, if we were Muppet characters, we are now the two old white guys on the balcony, Stadler and Waldorf. Uh, I mean, we're, we're just bitching and moaning about everything. Uh, but, we, but I'm with you. I, I see these guys are not really all that relatable anymore. And I, I do wonder if they're just in it completely to be mercenaries, which is fine. They are professional athletes. I'm not naive about this. 
you know, I read your column uh, about the NFL draft and what it's become and the images that are now presented. And I, I do think you have a point. We have to be honest about it. There are probably large segments of the populace, middle America, and even older uh, people like us, because we are now older, although we've aged well, that kind of look at this going, geez, oh, my God. I mean, I, look. What I found was interesting about the way the NFL draft is now presented, it is now a primetime show that plays out over three days. Jason, when me and you grew up, uh, I remember the draft, at least on the West Coast, I think it started about six or seven. And before I had to go to school, because trust me, with Asian parents, they're not giving you the day off to watch the draft. Okay, it was all on one day. So basically, I would get to watch the number one pick, and if I got to number five, I was lucky because my parents would say, okay, none of that's important. Come on, you're going to school. And if a team drafted that out of their position and the clock restarted, I was like, oh, my God. It was the worst thing. And I remember it was a big deal when it went to Saturday and Sunday, and now it's just a primetime show. And it becomes like this where everyone tries to put on a fashion show and the jewelry where half of their signing bonus is already on their necks and on their wrist. Uh, yeah, it, look, for guys of our age, and I don't even, I do think it is a cultural thing. We have to admit that it is hard to stomach, especially if you've seen drafts in the past with what took place before. This doesn't feel authentic to me. It, it, it feels like the it's BET Awards. Right. It, look, yeah. it's a TV show. It truly is. Um, you know, it got me to be thinking like, you know, the Will Levis situation I thought was really interesting. People got a kick out of that uh, because he's just sitting there. Now, I thought he would drop. I didn't think he'd drop, drop all the way out of Thursday. That was pretty stunning. But this is how much the NFL draft coverage has changed. The first guy to ever have his green room moment where he dropped was not Aaron Rodgers. It was actually in 1988. I remember watching it. Guy by the name of Thurman Thomas. Remember him? Pretty damn good running back. So, they actually just set up a camera, and I think Andrea Kramer was at ESPN still. They said, okay, we're, we're there at Stillwater, I guess his off-campus apartment. So everyone thought he was going to be in the top 15, and I thought my Rams were going to draft him because I'm thinking, oh, we need a running back. John Robinson would love this guy. You don't have Dickerson anymore. So pick 10, pick 15, pick 20, and you're like, oh, man, Thurman's dropping. It got so bad, Thurman went from being wide-eyed he literally fell asleep during the ESPN broadcast. And there's a famous shot of him just dozing off like this. And I think he was like the 38th pick of the Buffalo Bills. It worked out well. But there was an authenticity to it that you're right. It wasn't this big old thing. And I'll be honest with you, Jason. If I'm a football player and I know I'm not the number one pick, I, I am, I'd be so insecure about being Will Levis. I would just say, you know what? Uh, I'll just do this at home with some friends and family. But, but I wouldn't even do that whole green room thing. I really wouldn't. Just think if, and, I, I, you know, we always got to speak in hypotheticals or maybe we do it too much. I don't know. But if, if, if Will Levis had been uh, La Will, Le, Will, uh, oh, Will Ellis, <laughs> again, well, well, this, they would have restructured this as the second coming of oh. Mississippi burning. And, and, you know, how racist the NFL is. And, and yeah. they would have turned it into the biggest victim story in the world. Well, look, if you're right. If it was Will Tavius 
it would be a story of oppression and why is he dropping this, this, and that. But since he's a white guy, it's incredibly memeable. He had a nice eye candy right next to him. I hope those kids work it out. You're going to enjoy Nashville, Tennessee. It's a nice city. And, and I'm just thinking to myself, I remember when Lamar Jackson nearly slipped completely out of the first. The I remember Dion was actually on that broadcast that year for NFL yeah, Network. He won the and there, yeah, and there yeah. was a lot of pressure to make sure that Lamar Jackson got out of this green room drafted on that first night. And I think Dion said about Ozzy Newsom, Ozzy, you a real one. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Ozzy Newsom will not draft a player just because of race or to check a box. That's an insult to Ozzy Newsom one of the greatest GM player personnel guys who has ever been. He drafted on merit, and guess what? It worked out. By the way, good weekend for Lamar Jackson. Got Let's mention that, but yes. If it was Will Tavius, it would have been a different narrative. <laughs> Will Tavius is a great, <laughs> uh, great name, and you're right. Totally yeah. different story. Hey, I want to stay on the draft slightly. I want to talk about Griner and, and Bill Roden. Did, did you – seriously, and the guy was on the sports reporters with me. The guy was someone I, I, I looked up to and admired, and he's – I don't want to put one more thing on your plate, Brittany, but when you're not scissoring your wife, will you be fighting for transgender athletes? I know you don't really like batting balls, but – Will you be fighting for more batting balls in the locker room? I don't want to put one more thing on your plate. I, I just thought embarrassing for, for Bill Roden, Anscape, ESPN, sports reporters, men, black men in particular. I just thought it was embarrassing. Well, the guy wants to keep his job. He knows his role. He read the script, but I'm not going to lie to you. That le level of psychopathic behavior, he belongs covering boxing. I mean, good grief. Uh, it's, it's just to me, like, look, the last thing Brittany Griner wants is about 25 Juana mans coming into the league because there goes her dominance. I actually think for her, see, this is what I would tell Brittany. Hey, yo, Britt, um, the last thing you want is actual big athletes coming in to the league. That hurts you. Because think about it. What's been her big advantage since, what, eighth grade? Her size, right? And she has skill, but it's really her ability to barely dunk the ball. You bring in Juana man who can play way above the rim and can just muscle her, well, she goes from being maybe the most dominant big person or individual in that league to just being a journeyman if you bring in 15 average 6'6 JC guys who want to be all of a sudden Juana man. So, again, that actually works against her interest. So I argued this late last week in a column that they're going to – uh, bring in men to the WNBA. That that this is all. This whole Brittany Griner is a national voice, and I like anytime Brittany Griner farts. ESPN does a front page story. ESPN.com puts her at the top of the headline feed. Brittany Griner farted in practice, and you know, like grabbed a rebound while farting. It had yeah. a, uh, a a nice fragrance. There was an aroma. <laughs> yeah. Steve, I actually think we're going to see it in the next five years, uh, maybe in the next three oh. years, they're going to have a man in the WNBA. Oh, God. You know what? In a perverse way, I want to see it. 
I do. Because, and I brought this up last year, it would be like that old SNL skit. Remember when Michael Jordan hosted it and he was the first black globetrotter? Do you remember that? And uh, and he was just running oh. circles around these stiff white guys and he would score like 100 points. It would look like that. It, it really would. I just, you know, by the way, speaking of which, it's kind of on the same subject. I saw something on Twitter where Becky Hammond will now be in the running for the Raptors job. And then she said, well, I'm not worried about them boys. I got bigger things. No, you don't. Give me. And if I'm a Toronto Raptors, can I just – I know me and you disagree. If I'm a decent Raptors player and I could find my place on another team in the league, I'd look at my contract and I'd tell my agent, let's get the hell out of here. I would I would want no part of that. Call me sexist. Call me whatever. Call me chauvinistic. I would want to get the hell out of there real fast. I don't want anything to do – with what is going to take place should that come to fruition. I don't know how that I, I think coaching is so rare in the NBA at this point now that everybody's just rolling out the ball for the most part. I, you know, what are the 30 NBA teams? Uh, I think eight or nine of them are being coached. The rest are just have no control, no leverage over the players, and just are at the whim of, of whatever the players think. And, and Becky Hammond would just fall right in line with that. I, the, 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 the name that I'm shocked we're not hearing is Don Staley. I, I can't believe Don Staley's not a candidate for this Toronto Raptors job. I, I guarantee you she, she, she's thinking about playing the race card for her name not being mentioned. Well, but but Jason, I, 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 why isn't Mark Jackson ever going to get a job again? I do not get it. I hear all this praise for Steve Kerr, but the foundation was laid by that man. Okay. And you want to talk about equity and opportunity and being fair and doing things on merit. Why isn't Mark Jackson even giving interviews? I don't get, if you care about this issue, Mark Jackson should be front and center. I think he's made it clear. He'd like to coach again. He was very confident. He did a very nice job. Steve Kerr now gets to bear the fruit of all that labor. Okay. Um, if any female gets a job before Mark Jackson can even get a serious interview, to me, that'd be scandalous. But you know what? The mainstream media, they will not be allowed to broach that subject. Let's just be honest about it. It's, it's a great point. I'm going to tell you why. Because of his Christian faith Uh-oh. and how woke this league has become, they will run into one of these situations where, you know, they want to have a pride night or one of these other far left drag queen night. And Mark Jackson, with his little group of players and influence over the players he'd have on his team, would be like, nah, we ain't doing that. And so he, he just, he doesn't fit the LGBTQ agenda and the NBA, the, w, the NBA is a LGBT, it's an alphabet mafia league. You you know what would happen, though? Let's say Mark Jackson was on the sideline during one of those nights. You know what he would say, though, right? Mama, there goes that man. Then he'd get fired for it. Anyway. Anyway. (laughs) All right. That's exactly what would happen. Uh, (laughs) Steve, I want to talk a little bit about the NBA. Interesting game last night. uh, Interesting series coming up. Steph Curry drops 50 in Game 7 against the Sacramento Kings. I've seen Mm. no one of consequence, but I saw someone 
tweet out and I reacted to it that, oh, oh no way Magic Johnson could, could drop 50. <laughs> just like, oh, these people just, they were born last night. I mean, uh, <laughs> Magic had 42 in a game six of the But regardless, I think what is being set up here, though, with LeBron and Steph facing each other, if, if one of these two guys gets out of this series and goes on to win the championship, and, and particularly if it's Steph and he gets his fifth championship, he'll have a right. There will be an argument about whose era was it. Is it Steph's yes. or is it LeBron's? And I want to, where do you stand on that? If, if, if Curry gets this fifth title, wins this series, uh, does he have a right to claim this is his era, not LeBron's? Yes, especially in light of the fact, wouldn't it be their second championship post Kevin Durant? I, I mean, there's a real yes. argument. I, I will say that. By the way, going to your original point, uh, this whole notion that Magic could not play in today's game is so wrong. I, I mean, with the open lanes and how open the game is, he would literally average a triple-double without even trying. And I'm talking not one of these stat-padding ones like Russell Westbrook. The interesting thing, um, I would say to that guy, if I really got into it, you're right. What Steph Curry does, Magic Johnson cannot do. He's a much smaller player. He doesn't run around the floor. Um, he doesn't really create a shot. He's not the shooter. Curry is because nobody is, especially from that range. I think Curry has to be given full credit. All-time great. But I would surmise... Steph Curry cannot do what Magic did, which is control the flow of the game from both up top as a traditional point. And look, I watched a lot of Laker games back when I was a real fan. Magic in the last couple of years, as his legs got a little heavier and he got a little older, he started to play a lot more in the post. And they would run the offense through the post as Magic, being essentially a point forward. And nobody had the floor vision or the ability to dish the ball off and make players elevate their game and make it easier than magic. There's been a lot of great point guards like Isaiah, John Stockton. None of them had the floor vision because they're not 6'9". Another thing about magic, you're right, is he the shooter of Steph Curry? But there's two misperceptions in basketball that I always fight back at. One is that magic is not a shooter. Well, he's not a pure shooter, but he was a good standstill shooter. He wasn't Ben Simmons. He had a nice set shot. He eventually became a pretty decent three-point shooter. And then in the post, he developed a really good junior skyhook, as he called it, which was an absolute weapon. So this whole notion that he couldn't shoot, he wasn't great off the dribble. That wasn't his game. The other one is that Michael Jordan wouldn't pass the ball or couldn't distribute. Biggest lie in the world. When he played point guard and he wanted to get people involved, trust me, he could dish the rock. And there were stretches where he was having triple doubles, almost did in the 91 finals, by the way. I really think right now the race is for who is the best player since Jordan. I will die on this mountain. There will never be a basketball player as good as Michael Jeffrey Jordan. We could talk about it in another show, but I'm saying right now the race is for a clear second, but no one will overtake him. Bottom line. So go back and answer my original, original question. Can you see Steph surplanting LeBron James in that chase? She, you know, okay, be honest. This is like the pound-for-pound pound discussion in boxing. If you were to start a team with one player, okay, would it be Steph or LeBron? Honestly, I think I'd still take LeBron. I would. 
because he's bigger and he can still distribute the ball. And look, he's the all-time leading scorer. Don't I mean, come on, in your heart of hearts, if you had one player to pick in the league. I'd take and Steph. I'd take really, Steph. Why? why? And it has nothing to do with me thinking Steph's a better player. It, I, there's a chance I can keep Steph Curry for his oh. entire career. Okay. I cannot okay. do that with LeBron James. <laughs> you know, the, the, yeah, he is a vagabond. And the fact that Steph Curry looks like he's going to be a career-long Golden State Warrior, I think that's a plus. I do. And, and look, there's been other great players that have switched teams or played at the very end as they finished out their career. I still have nightmares about Akeem Olajuwon being a Toronto Raptor. It, it just doesn't look right. But LeBron switches teams every four years. I, I, I'm beginning to think LeBron's nickname should be Transfer Portal because there's this particular pattern, and you're like, when he goes into the Hall of Fame, because that's a no-brainer, right, five years after he retires. Jay, what jersey does he wear in your view? Cleveland. Which one? You think Cleveland. so? He not, that's that's the one franchise he's won the least amount of championships with, maybe. If he wins it with the Lakers, yeah. that's two with the Lakers. He won two with the Heat. I think he won one with Cleveland. Are we sure it's Cleveland? I happen to agree with Spent you. the most time in Cleveland. I guess, and he is from Akron. He is from Akron. Yeah, he's from Akron. All right, uh, last topic. Uh, Dan Lepetard. Uh, You know, this guy used to be my best friend in the business, uh, which is mind-blowing to me. I don't know how that happened, but uh, Levitard on his show had drag queens on. Uh, I want to get your thoughts. Let's play the clip. So the uh, supermajority of the Florida legislature thinks that you're public enemy numero uno and numero dos. Um, I mean, we can be public enemy number one (laughs) if you want me to. Um, I think that there's a lot of misinformation going out in the news right now. I think that there's a lot of misleading bills and laws being passed against the trans and queer community currently in ways to block us from existing, just literally existing in the world and society. Um, And we're just here to kind of show that we are everyday people. I'm just an everyday woman trying to go grab my groceries. (laughs) Your thoughts. Hmm. Okay, so wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's rewind here. So you used to really respect William Roden. You were best <laughs> friends with Levitard not that long ago. Where in the world am I going to be in three, four years? I'm actually worried about what lays ahead for me. I'm not lying to you. This track record. I'm not saying you're the best judge of character here. When it comes to that, you're not exactly <laughs> good. I'm not going to lie. Here's the thing. Um, Someone said this on Twitter. If strippers, from which you were once a connoisseur, long time, another chapter in your life, did exhibitions and shows in front of kids, it would not play well, and it shouldn't. People would be outraged. All we are saying to that group of people, you can live your life, but can you leave the kids alone? This whole narrative that we are trying to eradicate them that we're trying to get rid of them, that we're making their life difficult, it's not true. I think there's a live and let live, but when you are trying to infiltrate the hearts and minds of toddlers and the youth, I think it crosses the line. And Levitard, again, is pandering, and he's playing that role. Um, I really wonder in the deepest recesses of his mind, is he comfortable with that coming on a show and at least giving what it seems to be a taciturn endorsement of it? 
I, well, these guys will do anything for a check at this point, and so yeah. they're comfortable with anything. Does it betray everything that he's done pretty much the last decade? I don't think is uh, authentic. I don't think it's consistent with the values of his upbringing, of his Cuban parents who were refugees and immigrants that, you know, best of my, really conservative. Uh, but look, Dan put his finger in the air, sees which way the wind's blowing. And, you know, when, they, look, five, if they're on the air five years from now, seven years from now, when, when they legalize minor attracted people, he'll have them on his show as well. And and because again, that's what all these guys and Bill Roden will be somewhere asking someone a question. <laughs> well, Brittany, I know you got a 12 year old boyfriend or girlfriend, but how they doing? Did you drop them <laughs> off at school? And, and it, it's I mean, these guys will do anything for money. It's embarrassing. It does. I, I, I don't know. I, this world it's what people will do for money. And it's anything. They'll drop any values, any beliefs any convictions to make sure that they're in line for that next paycheck. I, I, ju I just can't do it. I, I'm, I, I've never been able to do that. I like money, but, you know, I like doing what's right more. I, I so, really wonder. Anyway, Steve, I got to let you go. Go ahead. We'll I got to let you go. I gotta, I gotta, uh, I'm going to give you TMI, uh, but, you know, I got to drop the kids off at the pool. You know why? Because my liver is functioning so properly because of my friends here, Pure Health, Liver Health. I've been telling you guys this is the most authentic ad I could possibly ever do. I've been taking this stuff for nearly two years. It's awesome. It's helped me reduce my fatty liver. It's helped me lose weight and start looking good again and looking young again. It's got my liver functioning better. Uh, you're three and a half times more likely to have heart failure if you have fatty liver. Try this stuff, liver health formula from Pure Health. Look, 100 millions of Americans have fatty liver. You can do something to combat it. This helps eliminate the toxins and the cholesterol or your cholesterol, all this stuff that you need. Get your liver functioning properly. Your whole body will start functioning properly. This stuff is awesome. It's great. I've been using it for two years. Here's how you can get some. All you got to do is go to, uh, what is it? Get Liver Help? I'm sorry. No, no. It's, yes, getliverhelp.com. Getliverhelp.com slash Jason. There's a free bonus gift if you go to get, G-E-T, liverhelp.com slash Jason. Get your little free bonus gift, some blood sugar uh, supplements they have. This stuff is awesome. I can say it authentically. Hey, make sure you're slamming uh, that like button. Make sure you're on Apple and you're telling your friends about it and you're giving us that five-star review. Help us fight the algorithm. Monster Ray, we're going to hear why he got kicked off of uh, Twitter. All right, welcome back. Uh, I think we're rolling out to Philadelphia, but from the looks of things, Maj Ture is on the road, perhaps. No telling where he's at, 
Where he's not at is on Twitter. Maj, uh, tell us what happened. Uh, first of all, where are you, and are, are, are you on a tour bus? Where are you headed? I'm in our RV. Um, we have an RV that when we get kicked off of planes for not wearing a mask, we bought an RV um, so we can continue to do the classes around the country. So we're in our RV, but just to um, we try to make it available to people that might need a night, might need some, you know, stuff like that. So just to hear straightening up, and and uh, and I, I see uh, the the Twitter folks are mad at me because I uh, I want to defend children against pedos. So. I read the tweet uh, that I think got you suspended, and basically you said that if you know you run up or you know run up on a drag queen's trying to talk to kids or whatever, <laughs> they're gonna see your hands, and by the time you post bail and they try to do it again, they're gonna see your hands again. Uh, am I right? Is this is the tweet that uh, got you suspended? Yeah, that's absolutely the tweet. Um, that's the tweet that, and now in further context, I want to be clear. Two things. One, um, my personal views of an adult choosing to dress in drag, that's fine. You can do all of whatever you want. And further context in that thread was me talking about the drag queen hours where they sit down and they read some, you know, some sexual things to children. I went further in that and saying, I don't care if you're straight. If you're in my community and the, the, the surrounding thing is of your theme of your hour of reading to children is sexually related, you know, I have no problem assaulting you. I'll, and that's the process. If I smack somebody lightly with my hand, that's an assault. That's a simple assault charge. I'll probably get arrested. I'll bail out. And if you are willing to do that to our children again, by the time that I get out again, I have no problem assaulting you again. Um, and that's me owning sexually perverse things towards our children under the guise of inclusion and the drag queen situation. And no, I'm just not with it. And so I guess the overlords at Twitter or actually, to be honest, the pedophiles, the groomers and all of those type, they galvanized themselves and had my page removed within less than 24 hours, which speaks to um, it should be very con you know concerning for all of us because it speaks to their willingness to galvanize, to remove, I think I had 150,000, 154,000 Twitter followers to remove a voice saying that I want to defend children. Didn't say shoot, I'm a firearms instructor. I said assault, which can be a simple assault. If I slap somebody, that's a simple assault. And it's cool, I'm good with it. It just, it just highlights more and more yet again how extreme leftists will galvanize to try to stop anyone that wants to defend young children from their perver perverse ideals. Do you think the suspension is permanent or is it just a short time? No, it's permanent. I already appealed it. And they got back to me very swiftly telling me that, which I thought was crazy because the, the first email said within five to seven days, we have a whole lot of time to look for you to see what's going on with this. And within a few hours, they sent me another email saying, um, you know, no, your page is not going to be reinstated. So since then, I've already made another Twitter page, Mr. Maj Toure, M-R-M-A-J-T-O-U-R-E. Um, and, and I want people to be very understanding of this. We need to be on all of these platforms. I'm saying we should be on all of them. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Rumble, uh, Patreon, Parler, whichever one is to your liking. The reason why patriots need to be on all of these platforms uh, is for the same reason why Elon Musk paid $44 billion for Twitter. They know that the expression and the truth being expressed on these social media platforms, especially the more popular ones, 
is a very powerful way to influence people to your side, whatever, whatever side you're on. And it's a voice. It's a medium of expression. So I'm not one of those people that says, oh, if they ban me, I'm not going to be there. We are going to talk and communicate and highlight their contradictions on all of the platforms all the time. So, yeah, it's gone. Wow, that 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 is surprising. And, and hmm. yeah, I, I didn't think it would be a permanent ban. That, 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 that's interesting. I don't think and look, this may get me in trouble on YouTube. It may get me on trouble on. I don't think your position is extreme. I, I, I actually think it's where all men uh, should actually be in, in terms of th- this whole sexualizing of kids. That really is my only line in the sand, really, is like, you can do whatever you want as an adult. You can do, you can harass me. You can say, y'all, I'm a grown man, you know. I can, but this whole thing of this targeting of kids for grooming and just to have them even thinking about these sexual thoughts when they should just out just be out just being kids at this point. I don't understand why churches, other men should be rallying around you and having basically the same opinion. Leave the kids alone. Uh, we can be very tolerant if you leave the kids alone they highlighted their uh contradiction in their agenda when uh forget which state it was in but there was um, it might have been florida where in essence it was like listen we're not gonna it's gonna be against the law if you're doing this uh these drag ceremonies or so forth and so on and it's illegal or unlawful now for children to be there instead of them continuing and saying okay we're just not gonna have children there they removed, they canceled the entire platform. They're telling us very clearly. Now, again, if you're an adult, Miss Doubtfire was a funny movie because I, I hear some of the guys going, well, would you be mad at Miss Doubtfire? I guess you think that should be rated R. Miss Doubtfire was not reading sexual things. Miss Doubtfire, there's context there. Um, I think, uh, you know, what's his name? Tyler Perry has made a billion dollars by being Medea, which is one of his driving characters. I think as an adult and comedy in those scenarios, cool. I, it may not be my taste or my flavor, but what we're not seeing with Medea, what we're not seeing with uh, Mrs. Doubtfire, God Bless the Dead, and Robin Williams, we're not seeing them having sit-downs, targeting children, grooming them, having this conversation about sexualized items. The reality is, if you are a drag queen, which started as uh, flamboyance, and character and all these different things in settings that were other adults that felt the need to do that. You had that life over there and you had your regular life. For some reason, these men, these men want to include and slowly indoctrinate our children into this possible, oh, this is what is normalized. That is the very definition of grooming. Now, again, if you are an adult, I don't care what you do. I'm a libertarian. As long as you're not violating, I think culturally it's wrong especially a lot of these guys that say they're Christian. I think culturally it's wrong. However, you get to do whatever you want to. Free will, freedom in America, so forth and so on. But a child is a libertarian. A child cannot consent. A child, even if their parents are bringing them to that, if the the parents are weirdos, they're weirdos too. And so 
these contradictions need to be highlighted and we need to say it. Now, this does not mean that I'm saying people that choose to be transgender or people that choose to be dressed in drag, they don't have the same human rights. They don't all of these, uh, you know, uh, human and natural rights that we all are afforded by our creator. I'm not saying that. I'm not even saying that they're horrible people. I'm saying you're a horrible person and I have no problem smacking you if I see it in my community. That's what I'm going to do. I have bail money. It's fine. I am totally okay with the accountability for my actions. I was in Texas a few days ago speaking at the Take Human Action Tour, and somebody asked me there, a transgender was sent and was very upset. I communicated very well. The transgender lady left out. I even you know, said, hey, what pronouns would you like me to re respect you as as an adult? And we went through that. And what I said was, when someone else asked was, well, you're about firearms. What if that transgender that you slapped for doing that has a firearm and they try to defend themselves? They are even within their rights to do that. If I go to assault you, you have the human right to defend yourself in whichever way possible. I'm okay with that. The reality is far worse was risk, far worse things uh, had great men and great women, but mostly I'm speaking to men, had great men that were willing to say enough is enough. There were great men that fought against the scourge of slavery. There were great men that fought against segregation. There were great men that fought against improper things all around. So if I have to lose a Twitter page and get, make another one, which I already have, um, if I have to lose a Twitter page, which is not a real place, it's a great tool that we use for fundraising, for spreading our message, and we will be on those platforms. But if I have to lose 150,000 Twitter followers because I have to be a leader in this fight while respecting the human rights of transgender people, then that's a, that's an easy call for me. I think we need to be rallying and circling the wagons just like those weirdos and groomers did to get my page removed. This should be a bigger highlight to people saying, especially in the liberty and conservative movements, we should be saying, this is wrong. Elon needs to look at this because I think he's been doing a great job on, you know, getting rid of some of the weirdo stuff on Twitter. But this is another thing that he'll, you know, at a certain point have to look at. I know Elon doesn't look at every single page that's removed, but the concept of rallying around people that want to groom children, there is no such thing as an acceptable drag show for children, period. That's not it. That does not mean that these people do not have the human right to con uh, conference and convene to with adults. I celebrate their ability to do that. If we're talking about legality, cool, you have the right to do that. I may disagree, but I'm not going to venture out. But when you start engaging children and grooming them, not showing up as you do in most of your life as an adult male, then that leads a sign for me and I have to jump out there and say something at a certain point. When we as men continue to be silent, like the great honorable Dr. Martin Luther King said, there comes a time where silence becomes betrayal and we should not be silent. Maj, I saw something this weekend on Twitter from, uh, there's a group called Gays Against Groomers. Yes. And Gays Against Groomers were complaining, there's a study that's been released that 25% of high school students now are identifying as LGBTQ. And Gays Against Groomers was complaining about this, saying this is what happens. They're grooming kids into this lifestyle. These are actual gay people complaining about like, 
hey, we're grooming kids into a lifestyle that now 25% of them, when it used to be three or 4%, and now on a dime is 25%, even the gay people are recognizing that like, hey, this is intentional, what's going on? The LGBTQ, the LGBT community should separate itself from the Q and plus community. They are being hijacked and they see it. The gays for groomers, I'm familiar with that page. You guys are being hijacked. I have friends that are homosexual friends. I go to the gym, we hang out. My, one of my favorite cousins is transgender, adults. They are actually, some of my friends in the gun community, the second amendment community are transgender. I respect their choices. They are also saying, this is wrong. When you have someone in the community, if I'm in the gun community and I say, hey, we have an issue with unjust laws or people being boomers and supporting unjust uh, statutes, unconstitutional statutes against the Second Amendment. I am a leader in the Second Amendment activist community. I am a leader in that community. If we're telling you there's a problem with these laws, you might want to listen. If we say Alec Baldwin's lying about the gun just went off, you should listen. If gays for against grooming are saying this is not us, we fought for the right to be open about our life without being physically violated simply for being. Not that they were pushing that lifestyle on the children. If they're saying that, and if the rest of America is not paying attention, you may pay attention when it's too late. They are literally telling you, and I would challenge and support the LGBTQ, or excuse me, LG, le lesbian, gay, bisexual community to challenge other members that are trying to, or people pretending like they're a part of that movement and turning it into something. They are corrupting it for the fights and trying to like, you know, wave run and coat ride on the work that a lot of uh, lesbian and gay people, uh, the, the fights that they've had, not to be able to go outside and get gay bashed. These guys are hijacking your movement and there is a distinction. Again, morally or spiritually, you may disagree. I may disagree with that lifestyle. That does not mean that I get to say, you get to get bashed. And the people that are grouping it all together have a different agenda, they have a different agenda. And I would just challenge the gay and lesbian community to kind of get involved and push back similar to me getting involved. If you are an irresponsible firearms owner, I'm gonna check you. You're making it bad for the rights that we fought for to secure and push back against extreme leftist agendas. And I would challenge them and support them in doing the same. Maj, I gotta say, I'm, I'm very pleased uh, at the stand you've taken. I hope more men uh, follow your lead. I hope you inspire some to even just pay attention to what's going on. I'll, I'll end on this note asking you this. You know, I think if I had to, on a scale of one to 100, how much do you think Twitter has improved since uh, Elon Musk took over uh, as opposed to Jack Dorsey in the previous regime. And so I, I, I would say there's been a 40% improvement since Elon Musk, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy with it. I'm not satisfied with it, but I'm, I'm happy that it's better. But yeah. it, it's not, when I hear stories like yours, I say, oh wow, there's, there's, there's work to be done here. Particularly, you talk about a permanent suspension, they wanna put you in time out for two or three days. I could almost ride with that, but a permit, that, that seems crazy to me. I think that even outside of my personal ban, um, I understand that there was a campaign 
a lot of people that there's a lot of weirdos that are mad that one that Elon took over. They didn't leave Twitter when he bought it like they said they would. They still around just like the people that said if Trump won, they was going to move to Canada. You know, there's a lot of weirdos and pedophiles on these social media platforms. It's a recruiting situation to groom. So even with my band and hopefully somebody over at Twitter or maybe even Elon will reinstate me at some point, they have the power to do it even with the email that I got. I would still say overall, there's been a massive improvement. I languished at maybe 98,000 Twitter followers for about two years. Elon bought it, took over my engagement, uh, boosted my, my, you know, my, my actual, uh, my actual following started to increase. So I, I, I'm, I'm overall impressed. Um, I still do think that there's things that need to be handled, but I think that it's 100% better, or not 100%, but um, it's light years better than what it was, and I wouldn't complain. And, you know, I got another Twitter page, M-R-M-A-J-T-O-U-R-E. Thank you, Maj. Enjoy your trip wherever you're headed. Uh, we'll catch Peace. up with you next time. We'll play some tomorrow, and we'll see you tomorrow. Waiting for the countdown, coming off the breakdown, standing in line for freedom. Looking for a breakout, feeling like a standoff, nothing in life like freedom. Came like a fighter, striking like a ladder, making all this moves for freedom. I want freedom. No negotiation, my system, no relation. We all just wanna have freedom. Sitting on the corner, never been alone. I'm breaking my back for freedom. Blessed, we are living, get back. We are receiving all the when We all wanna be free. We want freedom.